Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. What makes a legitimate championship in the spring? What happened in high school football over the weekend? And what in the world befell the NFL yesterday? It is to tell Nuanas 1029 ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television across the great state. Outstanding to be with you on this very fine Monday afternoon. Thanks for riding along with us, letting us roll with you uh, on this first day of the week. Happy to be there. If you are looking for the show, first of all, you're a very smart and thoughtful person. Congratulations. You can do it a number of ways. First of all, you can go to the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You can listen live anytime you would like to, wherever you got a hotspot, Wi-Fi, etc. The stream is there all the time. You can listen to the station live wherever you are, whenever you are. And, of course, this show for 10 hours a week. The stream brought to us by our friends at Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. You can also get us directly, 361-3688, 361-3688, the phone number, all guests. Join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. You can also text that phone number as well, 361-3688. Give us your feedback. Here's the deal. It's not 
not a happy one, but it is a reality. The rash of injuries we saw across the NFL, we're going to talk about that at the top of next hour. Uh, what we want from you on the text line, what is the most significant injury? Just tell us, okay? Player, team, most significant injury from yesterday. Uh, so there you go, 361-3688. You can text us that way. We're going to talk about several things. First of all, we touched on this briefly on Friday, but certainly warrants a little longer discussion here and just to mark the passing of Mike Tillman, uh, the, the, the first great football player uh, from from the state of Montana and the Big Sky Conference opened the Big Sky Conference for uh, the Grizzlies and uh, a great NFL football player as well and really a great Montanan in so many ways there on the high line throughout the rest of his uh, post-playing life. He passed away at the age of 76 on Friday, so we will talk about that. We will get into what a spring championship looks like and what it needs to be a legitimate championship given the outline that was handed down by the NCAA or at least recommended uh, yesterday to talk about uh, in that respect. So we will get into that a little bit as well. We will also, of course, go through the scores and the weekend that was, particularly on Friday, across the state at the high school level of football. Coulter will bring you his five stars as he does each and every Monday from the uh, weekend. Five standout performances in this last week at the high school level. We also top of the hour as I mentioned we're going to get into the NFL we're going to talk about what was the main talking point from yesterday is the injuries that were and also two just unbelievable games that Sunday nighter was as good as it gets I mean that was as entertaining and as interesting as a football game could be it seems to me Seahawks Patriots also this the bizarre and unforgivable transpiration that happened in 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 Cowboys Stadium on Sunday. How the Cowboys get their first win is just inexplicable, but they do it one way or another. So they are on the board. The Falcons, who don't deserve to be on the board ever again after what happened there, uh, are not. So we'll get into some of that. And specifically, who are the best 0-2 teams in the league and who are the worst 2-0 teams? We can still talk about that this early in the season. So there you go. Going to get into some NFL stuff. Uh, of course, the NBA. I mean, how about Anthony Davis hitting the game winner? Bryson DeChambeau winning the U.S. Open by six strokes. I mean, it was an unbelievable weekend. Game two of the NHL Stanley Cup final tonight. Dallas up one nothing in that series over Tampa Bay. So it's all happening. It was a huge sports weekend. It will be a huge sports week again. Hi, Coulter. Nice to see you. I was thinking yesterday as I was wearing a long sleeve shirt within my home while cleaning and cooking food and watching sports mm-hmm. and not inhaling smoke and not sweating and not contemplating what happened to the wonderful life I used to have that yesterday <laughs> yesterday <laughs> yesterday was a renewal of that wonderful life and perhaps the most happy I've been since I thought there was a moment in my life when I thought and this was a total doomsday scenario but the first week of March was really tough for me. And there was a moment in time where you and I were sitting in a hotel room in Boise where I was thinking, well, this is it where the world's ending. The pandemic's going to kill everybody. I'm going to be stuck in Boise, Idaho with Ryan in a hotel room. Never <laughs> hey, to be able, there's a lot of people would be envious of that particular be, I mean, situation. But I at least wanted to go like have another steak and whiskey or something. <laughs> and at that moment, I was like, man, we might well, never be This might never be happen it. again. Yeah. This might be it. And uh, it's been uh, a strange seven months to be sure. But yesterday, being able to watch the NFL, the NBA, the U.S. Open, Cook food in my home without yes. it making the house melt, and uh, 
and just, breathe. Just and being have, able to and breathe. being able to breathe. I, I just felt so happy. You know, I, I had a wonderful weekend uh, as well for many of the same reasons that you cited here. And the smoke, when it settles in is one thing, but when it reaches a certain level, it obviously has physical consequences, right? And it's it's hard to breathe and it sits in there. But also, you know, people say, okay, well, if bad weather, right? Seattle, notorious bad weather and, and adds a sense of melancholy to the culture or the society or whatever. And some of that expresses itself artistically, but also the, you know, the bouts of depression and that sort of thing that goes on. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I buy some of that stuff. Uh, you know, when you talk about the weather and its effect on how you feel and so forth on the smoke though, when it gets to a certain level, I think has an actual physiologically negative effect on, on my being, not just physically, but like on my, on my state of being able to think and how I'm actually like emotionally feeling. But the great thing about it is that when it goes away, the op you get to the other side of the thing and you feel great, man. Like the days all of a sudden when it's clear outside and you can see the blue sky and the moon and you just walk around and you just breathe and it feels wonderful and then you feel great. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you on this. And it was uh, aside from just the, the horrendous injuries. It just, it, I don't know that there was any more injuries yesterday in terms of total number than we might see in a, in a given weekend, especially early in the season where there seems to be more. But the who it happened to was off the charts yesterday. That was the that was the worst thing about the week. It's easy to second guess because you always want to pump the brakes and not hyperbolize or exaggerate. But according to Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, and Bill Barnwell, three guys that report on the NFL as intensively as anybody. That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, yesterday was the most all-pro players to ever be lost in a single Sunday, as mm. well as the largest breadth of season-ending injuries in the history of the NFL. That obviously probably is not a stat that's been tracked for more than maybe 35 to 40 years, probably even less than that. Yeah, about less than that. But, but regardless, it's not an exaggeration. Yesterday was the... I mean, I hate yeah. I hate you too, but Sunday bloody Sunday. I mean, that's what it was, man. Yeah. It was a it was a brutal, brutal, brutal day. And I mean, we're going to get into it. But you talk about talk about twelve guys that I think I, at least twelve, maybe even more. I actually have to recount it. Three of the guys that were voted in the top ten in the NFL top one hundred. I think nine guys that were in the top thirty. I think twelve guys in the top forty, and I'll count them up to the top one hundred. But more than one dozen players that were top one hundred guys. It was uh, what. And, the, and this it, is this also isn't forty year old Philip Rivers or forty year old Tom Brady. Nick no. Bosa is one of the great athletes on the planet. That's right. Saquon Barkley, I thought Saquon Barkley was the most immune player to injuries in terms of skill position players in the NFL. Yeah, and he might be like that's the point is that he you might be right in that. And also, he's been injured twice now, and and it's 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 really bad. And it was it was a it was a landscape altering day in the NFL in that respect, but. We will get into that when we get into it. We want to start today, though, uh, with, albeit sad, because it's a passing, a celebration, nonetheless, of a, of, a, of a life well-lived and one of the, if not the original great football player out of the state of Montana. That's Mike Tillman, who passed away on Friday, age of 76, uh, in his home of Chinook, Montana, where he was born, uh, brought in and laid to rest, the same place, and uh, but... But did not no moss grew under his feet, man. He was he was all over the place, including an all pro or excuse me, all conference player for the Grizzlies in sixty three and sixty four, I believe. That's right. Before hello, 
not playing his senior year and declaring early for the NFL draft. I realize it's days by gone talking about the early mid-60s, but nonetheless, it did happen. Once upon a day in uh, in the state of Montana, an early draftee to the NFL played for, I think, four different teams in the league, the Falcons, the Oilers among them, and uh, and then came back to Montana and was very successful businessman on the high line uh, uh, selling uh primarily big you know trucks and farming equipment and that kind of thing but a big gregarious personality somebody who you knew Coulter I did not know Mike Tillman well but he treated me like I knew him well and that, I think that's the best thing you could say about Mike Tillman he is one of the most honest and I don't mean that in necessarily the warm fuzzy way just straight across the Tell board you the truth the most yeah. uh, one of the most honest guys that I ever came across I, I remember the definitive memory of Mike Tillman for me was the second year of the Montana Football Hall of Fame. We inducted Mike, and he had just he, he had had a lot of health issues lately, and I think that that's a product of playing in the NFL for a dozen years. But also, big men just have such a hard time when they get old. And Mike Tillman was one one of the most enormous people I've ever seen. I told my brother this yesterday. He had the biggest hands of any human I've ever shook hands with. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was six foot eight, 285 pounds. This is before weight training was en vogue. He right. told me this whole story about, well, the reason I was so comfortable declaring for the draft early was because I'd spent the last three summers bucking 25,000 bales per summer on my family's farm in Zurich. Yeah. He goes, I know I could lift more than anybody in the world because yeah. I've been <laughs> bucking the bales. But he was enormous. He was nor- he would be an- he would be one of the biggest players in the NFL now. Right. So in the 60s and 70s, he was an absolute anomaly, an absolute freak. But he he had had one of his legs amputated because of some health issues. I think he had a knee problem, but then I think he also had some diabe- diabetes yeah. issues. Yeah. So he, he was a little bit uh, immobile uh, in at times. But I did we I did pre banquet interviews with all the inductees that year, and I did Mike first, and it was it was classic. It was great. You know, he holds no punches. He's irreverent. He's so funny. You can't put it on live radio, no way, Yeah, <laughs> because he will say something that's not supposed to be on uh, the live radio. But then he sat there next to me while I interviewed everybody else, and it was like doing a co-interview because it didn't mm. matter who I was interviewing. He had something to say to him. Yeah. He had a jab to make it Tim Houck. He had something to make fun of Dennis Erickson for. I mean, the guy has so much confidence that he is the alpha when he's talking to Bill Kohler. Yeah. But Bill Kohler is like bowing down to Mike Tillman. That's the size of the guy that this guy is, both in personality and just in pure physical stature. But I think that Mike Tillman, you know, even though he played 12 years in the NFL, he told me that time he made hardly any money comparatively. Sure. And so when he retired, he said, I, I had to come completely reinvent myself. And I knew that the place I could make it was in Montana. So he moved back to the High Line and he started the General Motors dealership in Haver. And then Tillman Motors has became basically the preeminent car dealers across the Highline. And then he also got into selling some farm equipment. And so he provided a ton of great jobs, a ton of great vehicles for people that absolutely need trucks. You know, in that part of the world, you got to have a good truck. And uh, he was always a philanthropist. He he used to run the, the Legends for Lights pheasant hunting fundraiser. And that was to raise money for Montana State Northern. People forget. MSU Nora didn't have football for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. Mike Tillman brought it back. He paid for the whole thing. He paid for the whole Haver football stadium. He At the high school, he also yeah. basically, he gave them $2 million and said, start football again. And that's when Mark, Mark Sampson went back to Haver and started the lights back up again. 
But he was such a, a giving guy, such an awesome guy. The confidence that he conducted his life with, that's the thing that I think that I wish we could recapture as a whole. As men, I think that's what we should go for because he did not give a rip what anybody thought about him, and I think that was the best part about him. So it was certainly not unexpected because he's been going through uh, some health issues in recent months and even recent years. Um, but no question, a life well lived. I mean, to come from a town of less than 100 people, because he was born in Chinook, but he's actually from Zurich, which is a tiny, tiny yeah. town. And he always had the distinction of being the guy when they went NFL players A through Z from your hometown, the last yeah. one. <laughs> it's hard to do. It's hard to be behind ZU, isn't but it? But to come to come from that sort of upbringing, the, the, the son of immigrants. I mean, his parents were both first-generation Americans. Rise to the NFL, but then return to where you came from reinvent yourself and provide such uh, an epic sense of community for people in a isolated place that absolutely need it. A life well lived. Like when I told my brother that, that he had died, he said, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to win the race. And I think Mike Tillman won the race 76 years old. Definitely uh, uh, worth remembering. Cause no question. He's one of the great Grizzlies of all time. It's two tell new on us. One or two nine ESPN radio SWX Montana television. Uh, Coulter, we move on now and shift into college football today, or maybe not today, but in the spring, perhaps. And the Division One Council of the NCAA uh, sort of put together their guidelines, their recommendations on what the what a spring tournament championship would be, FCS playoff uh, style. It would be a 16-team rather than a 24-team, which is notable because they had initially said that in sports or cross sports that were happening in the spring that were fall sports, the NCAA championships would be halved, right? So you would have, and, and I think by and large they're doing that. They're going to have half the, the number of athletes and things like, uh, uh, tr- you know, cross country or, you know, whichever, whether it's soccer where they're going to have, you know, four teams instead of eight and, all, and that sort of thing. Uh, point being, rather than doing a full half uh, from 24 to 12, particularly when you have 10 auto bids, or at least at this moment you have 10 auto bids to the FCS playoffs, they're doing 16. So at a minimum, you presume that there's going to be six uh, uh, you know, at-large bids for this thing. But you said, what, is it, what does it take to really make this be a legitimate tournament and a legitimate national champion and i have a couple of thoughts on that i know you do as well I'll let you start we go a hard left turn on you real quick before we dive into this fcs because there's one piece of fcs news that we have not discussed actually which okay. is crazy have you heard this i don't know jackson state yes have you heard who they hired as their new head football coach? Deion sanders Deion prime time sanders yes indeed we got to get him on the show I'm into it. I'm into it. He will have arrived in media and football. I, I, I mean, Jackson State is a historical black college, yep. and Deion Sanders has always um, been supportive of those sorts of deals, even though he was a Florida State guy. He's from that area. Other than that, I have no idea what this is all about. Well, you know, he was... I don't know if he pushed for. He certainly had his name in the hat, whether it was highly you know uh, uh, considered or not, to be the head coach at Florida State. This is a couple years ago, and then right. he was on the record saying uh, he was on a podcast, I think, somewhere where he said, um, you know, this time next year, and this was like a year or a year and a half ago, I'm going to be coaching, uh, and so it's maybe a bit of surprise that it would be at Jackson uh, at Jackson State. It's not a surprise though if he wanted the 
the head position, right? If you want to be a head coach and you don't have any coaching experience, you know, per se, even though he's got the whole world of experience when you talk about football, um, you know, that's, I, I understand, you know, well, where Florida State would be like, look, Dion, you are like, you know, royalty here, but we can't just make you the head coach without like some some window into the coaching world at, at you know here and what what that what that ultimately entails and means. So I understand that a little bit, but no, I don't know what I don't know who or what led him to Jackson State. I would say this: I think a lot of people you know in Florida, in the South or whatever, would go. Ed McCaffrey's the head coach at Northern Colorado no and have the exact same sort of reaction to it, uh, you know, that we do. So, you know, there you go. It's a little bit different dynamic, though, because I think that people forget this. The University of Montana has ranked second in the FCS in attendance. They, uh, let's rephrase that. The University of Montana, I believe, has never has not led the FCS in attendance per game in any of the years of the 21st century. They've ranked second mostly to Appalachian State at the beginning of the decade because Appalachian State Stadium hold at that time held about 2,000 more than mm-hmm. Washington Grizzly before App State moved up. Mm-hmm. And in the last three years, Jackson State. Jackson State's averaged more than 33,000 fans per mm-hmm. game over the last three years. A part of that's because of the pageantry of the atmosphere, the drum line is probably, you know, the pep band and the drum line is probably as big of a draw as the football team. Sure. But you talk about, I mean, Ed McCaffrey, okay, now you're getting uh, elevated exposure for Northern Colorado, but Ed McCaffrey was a pretty good player that I think that people in the Rocky Mountain Northwest. Pretty good player. Ed McCaffrey's not a Hall of Famer, and Deion Sanders is one of the greatest football players of all time. I understand that. This is not a comparison between the two. He's a Pro Bowl wide receiver who won Super Bowls. I mean, he's an unbelievable NFL player, Ed McCaffrey. Uh, All I'm saying is that Ed McCaffrey is not a household name. Yeah. Deion Sanders is a household name. Primetime is he he was a he he has been a pop culture icon since his days at Florida State. That's right. I mean, Deion Sanders has been Deion Sanders has told the world that he's the greatest athlete on the planet since the day he walked onto Florida State's <laughs> campus. And and you want to know what's different than Deion Sanders than everybody else? Everybody's believed him the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to run a race against him. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it's just a, it's a fascinating deal. Okay, pivoting into the FCS and the spring. What's uh, it going to take to make this legitimate in your mind? Well, So here's the thing. There's been all sorts of scuttle and on-the-record and off-the-record discussion about the spring. And then last week, as we know, the Division One Council, the NCAA Division One Council, approved the uh, the FCS playoff format for the spring. So that means that they will have, there is a playoff in place, a theoretical one at this point, for 16 teams from mid-April through mid-May. But we still have to have teams opt in. And I think that that's where this is going to be such an interesting situation. So to me, I think that half the Big Sky Conference is eager to play and wish they were playing and probably has a feasible argument for why they should be playing. Now or in right, right now? Yeah. The other half of the Big Sky Conference, I think, is probably that they were not going to be able to pull off being able to play. And I think that's where the fracturing occurs as well. Because as we've talked about multiple times, if you have places like Missoula and Bozeman and Moscow, Idaho, Pocatello, Idaho, that are doing pretty darn good, relatively speaking, in terms of the pandemic, you can't afford to bring in people from 
Sacramento, California, and Portland, Oregon. I just think you can't do it. Testing, the accelerated testing that we have available now that a lot of the Power Fives are using, that could change a lot of the the a lot of that narrative. The affordability is is becoming more of a reality, I think, as well. But either either or, I, I just don't really know what the teams from the West Coast what sort of say they're going to have in this, what sort of decisions they're going to be they're going to make. But Valerie Cleary, who's the athletic director at Portland State, she was on John Canzano's talk show today. He runs one of the famous afternoon sports talk shows in the Portland area. And Cleary said that the Big Sky as a whole is full force going towards this spring playoff mold. Now, my biggest question when it comes to the Big Sky, and we'll get to the national part of this in a second, my biggest question mark when it comes to the actual Big Sky is what happens when you have a fracturing of the league it just in terms of what you want to do and the people that are saying we don't want to play in the spring are the most powerful teams and the t- teams that are okay with playing the spring, a.k.a. Portland State, which was in, what was at least implied in this interview. I it, it, This is my opinion. I, I haven't really opined on this much. I've predicted what I think was going to be the reality. Here's my opinion on this. I think Montana, Montana State would be foolish to play in the spring, point blank period. And I think that if the athletic departments give any ground in that area, I don't think it's going to benefit them whatsoever. And I think they need to get away from this all-for-one, one-for-all model. And I think the Montana schools just need to straight up dig their heels in and say, this is what's best for the Montana schools, and that's what's best for the Big Sky, not try to decide what's best for the Big Sky as a 13-team entity. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I haven't thought, I, I haven't considered it in that light particularly. What I do know is that what what the coaches want, and I think what everybody wants, is something like equity. But equality in terms of, of the competitiveness or, 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 or the rules and all of that stuff, it ain't happening. It's, it's right. just not going to happen. It's not possible right now. And part of that is just the reality of where you're at. Montana, almost all of the schools, FCS or FBS, can play football almost the whole year round, if not the whole year round. And certainly in February heading into March, they will be able to be, if not comfortable, very productive in what would be a preseason heading into a regular season, if that was when it was going to happen. I'm not kidding when I say this. I think that Montana and Montana State are the two least equipped schools in the country to play football in the spring as scheduled because there is no indoor facility to actually do football, even though there's a champion center for Montana, and and it is the worst climate of all of these. The only one that might be comparable is like northern Colorado, but both the North Dakota schools, they got indoor facilities. South Dakota State and Brookings, that can be pretty brutal in, in late February, early March, so I give it to them. Everybody else can pretty much do it. So if you're going to be on an island, you, let's put it like this, you are on an island. You're by yourself regardless of how this goes. We have to clarify one element of this for our listeners. I'm sure there's somebody right now driving their car saying, oh, buck up. You can go outside in February. Don't be a baby. The cold and the snow in terms of practicing in it is way far down the list of why this is a nightmare. You never know when the snowstorm is going to hit. I've talked to Jeff Choate about this a ton. 
two springs ago in Bozeman was not spring. It was the heart of winter. They basically canceled the second half of spring ball because Choate was so tired of trying to get the field cleared. It's not about the football team. The football team doesn't pack their shovels out to the stadium and shovel Bobcat Stadium or Washington Grizzly Stadium to practice in it. Mm-hmm. you got to call the facilities, guys. Do you have any idea how bad the facilities guys hate you <laughs> when you're calling them at 3.30 in the morning yeah. on call saying, hey, and, and granted, it's a little bit different scenario at Montana State because Choate loves practicing in the morning. Like at Montana, Bobby Howe could say we're practicing this afternoon because Bobby Howe has always been a 3 o'clock in the afternoon guy. That's when practices for the Grizz, practice in the afternoon after school. So your facilities guys would have a little bit more time to get the stuff ready. But either way, there's so many different deal, deals. I mean, people forget. like It's it's not just like the AD and the head coaches that work in the athletic department. There's dozens, if not hundreds, of people that work mm-hmm. there. I mean, like Chuck Mays is the head of facilities at Montana. He has so many people that work for him. You have to have those logistics in order. It screws up your budget, your time cards, your payroll, everything, if you're trying to get practices done on February 20th. The other thing is... If it's on grass, like if, if, if Montana chooses to practice out at Dorm Blazer, it's a little bit different deal. But y- you, at the risk of injuring a whole bunch of players on your team, cannot go out on field turf when it's when it is when it's icy like that. Exactly. Yeah. We have seen. Uh, I, I I was at Montana's pro day a year ago, and it turned out to be a very cold March. Who was participating in this pro day? Which one was this? Well. Was this like the Josh Horner, Justin Strong pro day? That was two years ago. Yeah, so it was a, it was it was 18 months ago, right? Right. Is what I'm, it was. Right. Because there wasn't one this past so year. So pre, pre-Dante Olsen. Who was in that pro day? I'm trying to remember. Here we go. Let's keep going. Yeah, well, this would have been Dante Olsen's this past year that didn't happen, right? right? So anyway, it was a very cold day, and I watched guys – just trying to make a routine break up the field, running just a post corner route. Not even these weren't these were guys that were there just for the quarterbacks. They weren't even being sure. there for their pro day. Down so hard because there is nothing to grip into, and it was, I mean, it was probably thirty, maybe twenty eight degrees. You put it at two degrees, it's just not physically possible to go out totally. and do the thing and actually be productive and be getting ready for a season. You cannot do it. So, you know. It's the the point is is even if they do it, it's a huge disadvantage. Like even if they figure out a way to get the fields cleared and go out on the grass and do the whole thing, if you are outside with a group of football players and it's fifteen or twenty degrees, you are not gonna be as productive, you're not gonna get as much done, you're gonna be a lot more careful with your team than if it was fifty five or sixty degrees like it will be most of the other places in the country at that time of year. And so you will be invariably falling behind in some way, at least in that element of what it is to be getting ready for a season. And and that is what it is. You know, that's the reality of it. Now, whether Montana should, you know, Montana State should or shouldn't play in the fall, uh, in the spring, excuse me, uh, I have not, I don't have the same judgment on this that you have yet. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying I haven't formed a full opinion on this. Because let me, let me ask you this. Okay. I think that there's, I'm not going to say a 0% chance, but almost a 0% chance that all 121 FCS teams are ready to play in the spring. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I would say zero. zero. Okay, no, yeah. okay. All of them, no. Okay, so 
let's say that in terms of pandemic safety, the Intermountain teams in the Big Sky, not the West Coast teams, the Intermountain teams are ready. Mm-hmm. The Missouri Valley, by and large, from top to bottom is ready. Mm-hmm. Most of the Colonial Athletic Association out. Mm-hmm. Half the Southland, half the Southern, or half the SoCon, half the Ohio Valley are playing right now. So who knows what their level of engagement is going to be. I mean, you think Central Arkansas is going to want to turn around and play in the spring and then play again in the fall? Right. No. So you're going to have a diluted field at best. Mm-hmm. Do you want to participate in that if you're the Cats and the Grits? Well, I, if you're I, just playing a Missouri Valley Big Sky Conference showdown. Well, let's be clear. Missouri Valley Big Sky Conference showdown is half of the current national tournament. Well, sure. Okay, so... The answer to your question is it depends on what the what what the field is. Like if the field, if if you're talking about 120 teams and only 60 are participating, but 45 of those 60 are in the top 60 in the country, then it is it's 100 percent legitimate. But if you know, if eight of the top 10 and 17 of the top 25 teams in the nation aren't playing in the spring, then no, then no, absolutely not. So that and, and it just matters who's. Who's there and who's not there? So tell me this. I know you're still on the fence on this. I don't know why. Because if you play in the spring, it's going to impact negatively next fall. Well, it depends on how. How, how could it not? I just don't understand how you could possibly expect FCS-level college players to play between 22 and if you made a run in the playoffs both semesters. Mm-hmm. You're playing close to 30 games in a calendar year. How? How? How is that sustainable? Yeah, well, first of all... Let's what be, coach is going to want to do that? The, it, it's it's an eight-game regular season. Okay. 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 And so... And, and, then, if, and as many as a four-game playoff because it's a 16-team bracket. It, but it, it, at most, it so would be you, four. But, at very likely, it would be three, and that's going to a national championship. But then likely, you're returning to an 11-game season in the fall, right? Let's, it's, let's, say, let's say you have a great spring and you play 10 games, okay? Okay. In the spring. Okay. And you're done... In the middle of May, and now you have, you know, middle June, middle July, middle August, and and now you're back into it. So you have about two full months off, and then working your way into August, and it's three and a half months before the actual start of the season. That's a short amount of time, but it's not no time. And also, you haven't been playing now, and I realize that you're all the way recovered because this is when the season was supposed to have been. And so now all of a sudden, if you start a spring season and guys are getting banged up and needing to recover and, you know, significant injuries, they don't have the full off season, obviously, but also, um, you know, they, it, it is as they say what it is, but I don't think, I don't think you can sit here and predict that it is certainly going to have, a negative impact on the fall. It certainly could, and if it was to go too long or too late, it certainly would, which is why they want to move it up so early, which is not good for the Montana schools. I don't know what the athletic departments as a whole are going to do. I can't make any guarantees in terms of the head coaches, but I'll tell you this. Reading between the lines of what Bobby Halk has said and just reading straight up what Jeff Choate is saying currently on the record... There's no way that either of the two head coaches for the Montana schools do anything but push for not spring. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Like they, They've been clearly pessimistic, if not outright con, you know, contrarian towards a spring season. 
And the only reason you would want to fight for that spring season is so that your seniors could get their last year in. But that's an irrelevant factor now because they got the blanket waiver, and well, so they, they're they going to be able to come back next fall. It, unless they're not going to come back. Well, sure. But like a guy like Sammy Kim, I don't think, unless he's going to the NFL, I don't think that he's not going to come back for Montana. Well, okay, that's one. But I'm just saying, there's more than one. It's 2TEL and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Quick break on the other side. High school football, the Missoula schools, the AA level, went 2-1 two, two and one this weekend once again. We'll break that down the rest of the AA, A, and B schedules after this. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. Went long in the first segment, got to go fast in the second segment. It is our prep extra segment. It is brought to us by the Farmer's State Bank. Competitive wages, benefits. Join the team at Farmer's State Bank. Learn more. Apply today at FarmersEBank.com. Coulter, uh, a big weekend across the state. We're going to get to... What? What? Oh, I'm just laughing because I'm just so all in on high school football right now. You are in. You're locked. So, locked so and we should just do this every day. We are. We're gonna do it every day. So just, just tune into two till noise. We got high school football every day. Sent me just pages of stuff. Uh, you're gonna get into your five stars in the next segment. This real standout yes, performances individually. Yes, sir. And there's some overlap here too. So we will. We'll try to save you from some of that overlap. Uh, well. But at the double A level, we'll start in Missoula because you know, well, we're everywhere, but we're in Missoula. Uh, Missoula Sentinel rolled once. Again. Again, 35 nothing over Helena Capital. That the only game in Missoula at the AA level on uh, Friday night. Missoula Hellgate, they got their first win. They lost to Missoula Big Sky in week one, the Crosstown rivalry game. But they went up to Kalispell Flathead and got a 28-20 win. So big win for Hellgate. Get Huge on the win. board early and and uh, and have that, you know, that thing to build on, as uh, as Coach McMorris said. And then Big Sky, they beat Hellgate. They did not beat Helena High. They went to the state capitol and lost to the Bengals 48-7. So 2-1 and one for the city of Missoula, the double-A level on, on Friday evening. We'll, we'll get a little bit more into the Hellgate and uh, Big Sky games because a couple of my stars uh, from this week, one from Hellgate and one actually from Helena High because the sophomore quarterback at Helena High, he's, got some, good. he's got some buzz. He, he's building some buzz, no doubt. But we'll start with Sentinel in Montana. The class double-A and class A levels, it's pretty rare – where you're going to have games where you can, as the NBA has made so in vogue now, load manage. It's not really a reality in AA. Even if you're playing one of the bottom teams, you got to bring it. Like You might be able to play some JV guys in the fourth quarter, but you can't really go in saying, we're going to load manage this thing and keep some reps off of our star guys. Sentinel's so talented, they've been able to do that the first two games. I mean, Camden Sermon and Dayton Bay are basically splitting reps at quarterback. And testament to both those kids. They played great. And that's tough. When you're a returning star who's an all-conference guy like Dayton Bay, and then a transfer from out of state comes in and basically tries to steal your job, but now you're not no one's job is stolen. They're both playing equal reps, basically, and they're both producing. I mean, they Cameron Sermon's thrown a couple touchdowns, ran for a couple touchdowns. Dayton Bay's thrown a couple touchdowns in each of the first two games. Jace Kluswich, transfer from Frenchtown, is at Sentinel. I think he has 
count them up, nine, maybe ten offensive touches so far this year. Okay. And that's on the way to 59 points against Flathead and 35 points against Capital. You're keeping the, the load management down for a guy like Kuswich, who, by the way, in nine or ten overall touches, has four touchdowns already. <laughs> so he's it's a, it's a pretty good percentage. It's almost like uh, Russell Wilson's pass-to-touchdown ratio. My initial evaluation of Jace Kluswich as a recruit, and everybody listening to this show knows he's coming to the University of Montana. My initial evaluation of him was, well, man, he's a nice offensive player, but he is absolutely going to play defense. He's a hammer defensively. He's got great ball skills in and out of his breaks. He's amazing. He's got absolutely elite speed. I mean, he was the top 100-meter runner in Class A at Frenchtown as a sophomore. He ran a 4.48 at Ohio State camp when he was a junior. That's mm-hmm. a ridiculous speed for a 5'10 guy who's 16 years old. Yeah, It's going to be hard to keep him off the offensive side of the ball. The kid has 64 touchdowns in his career now. <laughs> 64. There is such a thing as just knowing how to get the thing across the line. No question, you know? man. Uh, and he can do it in a variety of ways. But anyways, the fact that they're scoring like they are, I mean, you know, count them up, uh, 94 total points with the dude who's supposed to be the best offensive weapon on your team having very little action. I mean, T.J. Roush is a two-star recruit who's coming to the Grizz as well, wide yeah, receiver. Right. He's caught a couple balls, but they're not really even playing them that much because they're, they've been in that much of control. So we'll see as this season goes along. But if you're staying fresh like this, that's just going to be even more dangerous for Sentinel uh, as you come down the stretch. Uh, around the rest of the state, double-A just quickly, Bozeman – just crushes Skyview 45-6. Skyview not looking good here early on. Billing Sr. That's a, it's a hard deal for Skyview because they're going through what West went through several years ago. Mm. I mean, when you got a dude in Ron Lebsock, I mean, he started the program at Skyview High School. He was the only coach in its history. He's a straight military guy who's running the triple option. Mm-hmm. When you go away from that, you all generations worth of work. It has to be started from the foundation. So Skyview's just going to have uphill sledding for a little while. Billings Sr., uh, 28-14 win over Great Falls High in uh, one of the more competitive games, two-touchdown game there in that one. Worth noting, too, Junior Bergen, who's a guy we've talked about a lot. He's mm-hmm. one of the better uncommitted guys right now in Montana at Billings Sr. We've talked a lot about which side of the ball is he going to play. I saw some highlights from this game. He's playing quarterback right now. He's a great athlete. He's another one that's really explosive in the open field. But he had a couple highlight reel hits where he was blasting people. That has been my biggest question mark. Is he a track guy who can run, but he doesn't want to tackle people? This highlight film showed he could tackle people too. So I actually think if he stays like that, he actually had, I think, his best position at the D1 level is at defensive back. Billing, Billings West blanked CMR 41 nothing. Uh, quick tease tomorrow. We will have Neil Daly on. He's a, a football player who's committed to Montana State. He spent his first two years at Sentinel, and as an underclassman, was part of the Sentinel uh, Track State Championship and on the football team as well. But his, his folks moved to Billings. When you're part of a family, you go with your folks. I think it's generally the way you go. So he's in Billings now. He's at Billings West. So he'll be on the show tomorrow. We'll look forward to talking with him. And then Glacier, they beat Butte 33-17. Butte 0-2, but some low-scoring, grinded-out, very Butte-like games, but they're coming out kind of on the wrong end here in the first or early going of this season. No question. A double T's for later on this week as well. Uh, Daniel Britt, who's the quarterback out of Las Vegas area, committed to the Grizzlies, he will also join us tomorrow. We'll also have Declan McCabe, who's the tight end and long snapper, committed to the Grizz. He'll join us on Wednesday. And then later on this week, another Billings West defensive end and standout, Paul Brott, who's committed to the Cats. He will also join us. So a bunch of recruiting interviews coming on this week. 
two games that I just want to highlight quickly, Coulter, which I think were the two biggest games, uh, one certainly in the state at the Class A level and certainly regionally at the Class B level, but Hamilton, Dillon in Hamilton, both teams 3-0, and both teams in the top five, in fact, in the top three in the state in terms of the rankings. Hamilton looked very good. 37-14, they beat Dillon at home on Friday night. And then the other one, Class B, Florence. Trying to show that they are for real. I think people, I think they have shown that, but they stamped it on Friday. A 33-14 win over Big Four. Talking to Sean Rainey from SWX Montana. He did the game on Friday. That was the SWX game of the week. By the way, if you're into high school football, no Fra- better place than right Friday, here. Friday nights, 7 o'clock, just turn on SWX. That's You're right. going to have a great game. They're yep. going to have a great game ready for you. They're, the production value is outstanding. They're doing an awesome job. Yes, they are. But I thought, talking to Rainman after that, though, Hamilton, since Bryce Carver took over, has had skill players in spades. Best quarterback in the state in Carson Ross had for four years. A variety of really, really good, talented um, skill guys. The one place that teams like Dillon have been able to get them, and, and Billing Central too, has been in the trenches. Mm. Rainey said, this is the first time I've seen Hamilton play a team like Dillon and dominate up front. That's a huge side. We might not have the headline makers at Hamilton this year. Guys that are going for, you know, like Tyler Chenard had like 1,300 yards receiving a couple years ago. He would like threaten Mark Mariani's Class A records. Bridger Browder was a 1,000-yard-plus running back. We might not have that kind of stuff at Hamilton this year, but if they're dominating the trenches, that's pretty big. And then you mentioned the Florence game, 33-14 over Big Fork. That's actually surprising. I did, I, I thought that was I, – I thought Florence, after watching them, I said – I thought – Man, I'm going to be hard-pressed to find a team that's more athletic than this at the Class B level. But I didn't think they were going to go on the road up to Big Fork and win by three scores. I mean, they that's smacked imp- them. That's impressive. And yeah. One of my st- stars from Treasure State, we'll get into that next segment, but is a young man from Florence, so we'll get into that as well. Okay, there we go. That's our prep extra segment. It is brought to us by the Farmers State Bank. Bank local. Farmers State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. As Coulter mentioned, five stars next. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Great to be with you on a Monday afternoon. Hope you are having a spectacular day. Thanks for riding along with us at Gus Tutel on Twitter, at 1029 ESPN, at Skyline Sports MT. Um, sent out one of my best tweets over the weekend. It uh, involves a picture, <laughs> so I can't explain it to you now, but you can go to at Gus Tutel and <laughs> live your best life. Coulter, uh, every we're gonna, Monday we're, we're gonna have a little. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna sponsor this segment today because I'm just feeling frisky. Let me tell you something, uh, too. By the way, just as an aside, <laughs> okay. it's 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 a it's loosely tied to the tweet. My brother's a third grade teacher in this town. He is. He grades his papers while watching the NBA like a great sports fan should. Art that is turned in by elementary kids should be the highest valued product on earth. I mean, it, there is there is some gold coming from the kids of Missoula, Montana at the elementary school level. And I want to tell you, 
It's wonderful, and I appreciate it. All right, uh, Coulter, Treasure State Stars. If anybody wants to sponsor this thing, you can. <laughs> I'm sponsoring it today. Skyline Sports, <laughs> SkylineSportsMT.com. I'm only doing this because I do. I put together. Okay, so you know me. Everybody thinks I'm a techie because I run a website for a living. I am, in fact, so deficient when it comes to some tech things. I'm, yep. an, 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 I'm an excellent typer. I am very Typist. I'm very bad at the uh, back end of like HTML and things like that. I don't think typing gets to count as a technical skill when in the world of, of the World Wide Web. Exactly, exactly. SkylineSportsMT.com, I put together a list of... Uh, what did they call that class when you had to sit down Keyboarding. There? Keyboarding. There you go, yeah. Keyboarding. You go to right now, you got an update on all the Montana State verbal commits and what they've been doing so far this high school football season. But I made it all multimedia-like. You got some... Links to two Tell Nuana's interviews with Ooh, all these boy. guys. Some Twitter feeds. Love it. About to complete the Montana one. Speaking of Jason Glusewich, he's on here. Kellen Dietrich from Haver, obviously. Gino Leonard, Missoula Sentinel, and uh, TJ Roush. Those are the four from Montana. But check those out. Treasure State Stars today. Brought to you by SkylineSportsMT.com. Beautiful. Shameless plug. Uh, Not shameless. Five. It's, a, it's relevant. It is relevant. Exactly. It is relevant. One of those guys who's one of my five Treasure State Stars yeah. is Neil Daly. Okay. Neil Daly is a six foot three, two hundred and ten pounder who will absolutely play outside linebacker or defensive end, something along that line mm-hmm. on, on the edge. He's a long, big kid, fast kid. This is the thing. You're going to be perhaps a defensive end. He's he's a state champion sprinter in terms of contributing to you know in a track and field right. sprint team for the Sentinel Spartans. Yep. He's not just some guy out there heaving you know heaving the disc, which is great too in no, its own right. right. But to be sprint level fast and expecting to be a linebacker or even a defensive end, that's that's amazing. Well, you talk about a kid who was who's second team all state as a junior yep. in high school, yep. which is very good because Montana's a senior laden state still. But you're thinking, well, how's this kid get a full ride to Air Force, let alone Montana, Montana State, with when he hasn't been the best defensive end in Montana yet? But it's because he was third in the high jump as a sophomore at the AA track meet. He ran, like you mentioned, a leg on the silver medal winning 4x100 team. He was also fifth in the 200 meters, but also I think he had the fourth or even third best time in the state going into the state meet hmm. as a sophomore at 6'3", 210. So the kid can absolutely move. He's slated to play defense, but right now he is tearing it up offensively. He's playing tight end, but they're lining him up in the slot a little bit. Yeah. He had two touchdowns in West's opener against Skyview, and then he caught three more touchdowns on Saturday. So the kid's got five touchdowns through two games. Amazing. That's a, that's big time for a tight end. I mean, five touchdowns in a year would be good in yeah. Montana high school football for a tight end. <laughs> no, and he's no got five kidding. through two weeks. So Neil Daly, one of our Treasure State stars. Number two, we got Braden Terzo, Missoula Hellgate. 28-20 victory for Hellgate against Flathead, and Terzo, he had an interception with 35 seconds to go. Flathead was driving the field. They had a chance to maybe tie it, tie it up. and yep. they didn't. So that that was a huge play by them. Hellgate lost such a talented senior class that I think that the Knights are going to have to really fight for every win this year. Mm-hmm. But to get one and to have optimism, you know, going in, you're one-on-one one going into week three, that's big. It's it huge. is. You got to get them where they're there to be had. And, you know, there's going to be some teams where it's probably just not there for you. That's what it is. Get better. Work at it. Find the places where you can improve. But in the games that that are winnable games, you you got to you got to get those dubs. And Hellgate did it. And that is uh, a huge testament to, to all of them. And like you said, now a second class, it's easy to sit here and go, okay, well, Mick Morris came in. 
got the thing back going along with a new principal, new AD, and that, that and they, they're, they're caring about football, and that's great at Hellgate. And I know they got a bunch of uh, uh, coaches and parents and stuff like that that are invested and involved, and that's great. They also inherited a couple pretty substantial athletes that were just going to make a team good no matter who they were, notably Raleigh Wooster, right? Well, can you keep it going, you know, and not regress – once the you know that first group that really kind of put it back together a little bit is gone, they have done that uh, with this win with this win Friday. So I think this you can't under uh, uh, or you know overestimate actually the importance of that win. Third Treasure State star Levi Posey. He's a junior receiver from Florence. I mentioned Kyle Abbott, Blake Shoup, Pat Duchesne, some of the great athletes I saw after mm-hmm. calling that Florence game two weeks ago. Posey was a guy I didn't mention, but is also an outstanding athlete. They have so many guys that just look like the D1 prototype. I mean, he's right. 6'2", 190 as a junior, as a receiver. There's just not a lot of guys in Montana that look like that. Right. He had four catches and a touchdown against Anaconda, but he also dropped three passes. You could tell he was just too open, mm. running hitch routes and just hit him in the hands, and he was mad at himself. Well, he put it all together on Saturday. Six catches, 151 yards, two scores. Florence rolls Big Fork, 31-14, 33-14, excuse me. One of the surprising uh, results in uh, Class B. In class AA, have, I got some guys, I got some good buddies in Helena that go out to the Helena games because they're just big sports fans. Yep. They go to the Capitol. Whatever games at Vigilante Stadium, they just go. Yep. And they always text me about kids. There's Helena High quarterback, Caden Huout, I think is how you pronounce it. He is six foot five already. He's only a sophomore. And I've heard from multiple people that this kid is D1 all day, all the way. Mm. Helena High's had some great quarterbacks in their history. He tied... In fact, he set the school record for touchdown passes in a game against Missoula Big Sky. He threw five of them. He threw all five of them before halftime. Wow. Helena High routes Missoula Big Sky 48-7. An explosion. I thought that the article in the Helena Independent Record was interesting because Huaut said that week one, he was a little rusty, he was a little nervous, first varsity start, and they only scored 14 points against Butte, and I think Butte's a little down this year. Helena High still got the win. But then they exploded against a Missoula Big Sky team who I actually think is a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. So that's a huge effort. And that's a big record. But then the fifth Treasure State star for this week, this kid, we got to get him on the show. I mean, this kid's put up ridiculous he's numbers. Shredding, shredding. Jarrett Wilson, he's only a sophomore. And I love this trend of sophomore quarterbacks because if you give the guy the reins and he can handle it as a sophomore, he's just going to be so advanced by the time he's a senior. But up in, up in Polson, Jarrett Wilson, earlier this year, he became, I think, the third or fourth Class A quarterback with 300 yards passing and 100 yards rushing in a game. Well, he outdid himself already. The season's not even a month old. 559 yards of total offense and six total touchdowns as Polson rolled Ronan, 52-34. That creates a three-way tie between Columbia Falls, Libby, and Polson in the Northwestern A. That's going to be a fascinating um, race to watch because Columbia Falls has a great quarterback. Libby has the best running back in the state. So that, that's going to be dichotomy of styles, but it's going to be fun to watch. But Wilson, he was 25 of 46 for 439 yards. I think that's the second most in the history of Class A. Amazing. And absolutely a Polson record. He also threw five touchdowns, and he ran for 120 and another score. He already this season, this is three games of the year, 1,409 yards passing and 13 touchdown passes. Amazing. Lighten it up. Uh, our thanks to SkylineSportsMT.com for bringing us the five stars of the weekend at the high school level. Hour one in the books, hour two straight ahead. We go headlong into the NFL, take a look at the injuries that took place, who are the best 0-2 teams, who are the worst 2-0 teams, and yes, the Seattle Seahawks. 
review of that game as we air all Seahawks games here on ESPN Radio. Also, the Little Sullivan Awards, all that, hour number two, coming at you next. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 